Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown. Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show. When you hear the group Alabama, that means we're headed to Birmingham to talk to Hueytown, Alabama's favorite son. That's Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Sandoz watching TV this morning. Serena Williams fined $10,000 for smashing her tennis racket. Lynn Scarborough never fined $10,000 for smashing a tennis racket on the courts of Hueytown, Alabama. No, absolutely not. In fact, uh, tennis racket uh, manufacturers would pay me $10,000 not to play with one of their rackets because uh, I, I was so good at tennis that it would have been a humiliation to anybody that I was using their equipment. Very much the way that uh, golf equipment manufacturers would probably pay me not to uh, not to use theirs. So those, the golf and tennis equipment was never in danger from me. That surprises me because as much as you do on the sports writing circuit, I figured you would uh, play, uh, play a lot of golf with all the sports writers. But really, quite frankly, you probably never have time. No, I don't. And uh, plus, I'm not any good. Now, I, you know, I used to be the, you know, I may have never talked about this. I used to be the uh, uh, travel editor for a golf magazine. And, uh, and I've done some great, uh, been to some great locations, uh, covered some great golf courses and great golf events over the years, and uh, used to uh, write for a monthly magazine and, and do golf features. Uh, we get to go to uh, great resorts and, and courses in the United uh, in, in the U.S. and uh, in other places. And uh, that was uh, that was a fun thing to do, and uh, and and uh, I, I understand golf, but uh, it, it made me realize that I need to stay off the courses as much as possible. Well, I'm going to surprise you, Lynn. Talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine, and I picked up both copies: the Southeastern Edition that you sent me, yep. and I purchased the National Edition. Good, okay. And I'm going to say that in two entirely different magazines. But I'm leaning to the national edition just because it's a different content, both very good, but I like what you did in the national edition going over all the breakdown of the FCS and Division Two, and then it surprised me. You even went D3, I can believe, or D2, D3 in the national edition? Yeah, we, yeah, we do everybody. Yeah, the, the, our national edition, uh, we don't do junior college teams. We do rank junior college players. Uh, in terms of ranking the players and which ones would be the best recruits and and that type of thing, but we don't uh, we don't cover junior college teams. But yeah, we cover we cover every conference and every team uh, at uh, the uh, at the old Division One, Division One AA, uh, Division Two, II, Division Three. Uh, we rank top twenty fives, have all American teams, uh, and and have some have some content. Uh, don't don't cover them at, uh, extensively like we do the. Uh, the other the other teams, 127 teams, I think it is, um, that are uh, at the upper level. But yeah, we're I, I believe Nick, we're the only publication that uh, that literally will uh, whoever whoever you're a fan of at whatever level in college football, uh, Lindy's is probably the only guy that uh, that covers your area of, of play. Uh, absolutely, certainly uh, enjoy reading all of it. Both of them are available here at the depot, the National Edition and the Southeastern Edition, and Lynn. We were discussing this morning, and we'll talk more uh, into the Southeastern Conference in just a minute, but John Tabor and I were talking. Uh, if you just picked off the top of your head the top five athletic programs, and I'm not talking to go look at lacrosse and, and volleyball and, and all of the equestrian. I'm talking about you look at the big sports that we discuss more of, 
football, basketball, baseball, softball, etc. Top five college athletic programs. Who would you put? Wow, to really do that justice, now you got to you got to give some thought to it. Um, you know, one would be Oklahoma uh, because they're good and they're good in all those sports, and, and I'm going to throw softball in there too. They won the national championship at Auburn in softball, uh, so Oklahoma would be one. They're they're a good uh, football program, and they're a good uh, basketball program in men's and women. So I'd throw them in. Um, probably UCLA. Uh, UCLA is good in, in, I believe, in all in all of those sports, better than average in all of those sports. So I throw, you, you throw UCLA in there. Um, you know, Ohio State is not that is not that good in all. Florida, most years, uh, Florida in football was you know they, they were a, they were a, a mirage this this past year. Uh, they were uh, you know they were not nearly as good as what it looked like they were in football. Uh, by the end of the year, they were really not a very good team. But Florida is one that would you know that would normally uh, be up there. Um, and I'm, I'm giving this more thought than maybe you thought I would. The, the, uh, that's really a very very interesting question. Um, you got to put Stanford in there. Uh, Stanford, you know, Stanford wins the All Sports Trophy every year, uh, which includes those minor sports that you that you said. But Stanford is a strong program across the board, and so I would throw I would throw Stanford in there. Uh, unfortunately, the only SEC team that I would put in there, I believe, would be Florida, because the others, uh, the ones you know, others that are strong in basketball are not strong in football. Um, you know, of course, a lot of teams would have would have gotten there on baseball, but I, I've, I've named you four that I'm pretty comfortable with, and uh, that's a that's a good topic for us to have on a show sometime in the uh, in the summer when there's not a lot going on. Is really evaluate that. That's a good question. I, I think the four I named you would probably be in there. Yeah, and I'm going to give you <clears throat> you're exactly right. Because I think you look back and you go back off the top of your head, you list a lot of people that when you closer examine it, and it's really I give an interesting stat that I shared this morning with you. And uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but there were five programs that won nine football games, 20 or more men's basketball games, and 40 or more baseball games. Who won it? Florida. I named them. Florida State. Okay. And FSU, I'm surprised at that on basketball. I don't think of them as a basketball player, but Florida State's a logical choice. Ohio State. Right, I'm, I mentioned them. Ole Miss. Yeah, that's a, and, and for this year, maybe, but consistently, if you're talking traditionally, Ole Miss would not fit in there. And the fifth one, yeah. Louisiana Tech. Oh, great. Good. Good for them. Yeah, I, I was. To be honest with you, I'd even go into the non-Power 5 conferences. All I did was scan the, uh, the Power 5 conferences. So, good. That's a great claim. And it's been a good athletic year for Louisiana Tech. No question yeah. about it. It's been, a, it's been a good year for them. And, and like you and I were talking Thursday, um, you couldn't have a better end to the college athletic year with, uh, with uh, Coastal Carolina for the Big South winning the baseball championship because it validates to me and I was I was on a show in Boise, Idaho. I do a do a show from time to time on ESPN in Boise, and we were talking uh, on uh, Friday, I guess it was Thursday, Friday, about the same thing about how Conference USA and Mountain West and and those guys uh, can take some uh, some uh, encouragement from Coastal Carolina winning that championship because it validates. You got all these people to say, oh, you shouldn't let the uh, non-Power Five conferences get him any slots, and you shouldn't let teams have automatic bids and. Uh, in the postseason tournament and so on. Well, every once in a while you need a Coastal Carolina to win the championship to validate 
uh, that, that, that you do need to do that. You need a James Madison and a, and a Butler to make it to the Final Four in, uh, in football and basketball. And, um, and I was really, really glad to see that happen. And uh, I think it gives uh, some credibility to, to allowing uh, teams to do that. And I, and I think Conference USA uh, helped validate that this year by having four teams that were uh, good enough to get into the NCAA baseball tournament. Now, talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine, and Lynn, many years have you covered sports, and I sort of look back because everyone wants to ask this question. When it occurs, when you have a school, a little school from the Big South Conference, which, by the way, they moved to the Sun Belt uh, yesterday, so they moved after July 1st. Uh, Coastal Carolina is now in the Sun Belt. But as far as upsets, as far as major victories for the little guy, you know, you always get asked where these victories rank, and I know that's tough to do, generational, but how big is it when you have Coastal Carolina winning the national championship? Is it that big of an upset? I mean, you look at the history. They've gone to regionals before, and Super Regionals never made it to Omaha, but how how big is uh, is the victory of Coastal Carolina over Arizona? And finally, you know, you talk to everybody on the street. Everyone was pulling for Coastal Carolina so really, you, I feel sorry a little bit today for Jay Johnson at Arizona in his first year because that would have been a super huge story. It was just overshadowed by Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I mean, because of what it accomplished, I would say it's the biggest, uh, I can't think of an upset. Um, and I don't know that in that particular game there's really an upset. I think you've got to look at it in the whole big picture. The upset, you know, when it got down to it, an Arizona team that was supposed to be ninth in its own conference, Playing a playing a team from the Big South that's never that never even had a team make it to the College World Series, um, that's two very unlikely uh, things. That's two teams that had to face double elimination twice um, playing in the final game, and so uh, on that particular game, I'm not sure that Coastal Carolina was you know wouldn't have been the favorite. Uh, so in that terms of an upset, not. But in the big picture. Of, of upset, I'd say it's maybe his biggest upset ever in, in college sports because I don't remember another time when a team at that level won a national championship. So in the big now you take individual games. Yeah, I'll name you said the Chaminade beating uh, beating uh, Virginia uh, when they had Ralph Sampson were ranked number one in the country. This is Chaminade of Hawaii College. I mean, they're not going to beat a. I mean. Uh, for heaven's sakes, they beat the number one team in the country with the greatest player in the game. Um, when Appalachian rolls in and beats Michigan in the big house in football, hey, I'll tell you one right in your backyard, was, uh, was uh, Louisiana Monroe rolling in at Tuscaloosa and beat Nick Saban. Um, we, we, you've had some really, really big upsets in, in games of college sports when teams that are not on the same level with who they're playing have won the ball games uh, against major teams. So there have been certainly some... Some some things. Some folks would, would put Boise State knocking off Oklahoma in that famous game that really moved the, the Power Fives up there. Uh, when when Boise State pulled Chris Peterson pulled uh, you know a couple of those fantastic flip over the back of your head plays to, to win that ball game. But I, I would contend that considering the magnitude of the stage that they were playing on, what they were playing for, I don't know that there's been a bigger win by one of the small schools than than uh, Coastal Carolina claiming a national championship. All right, I'm going to go back to uh, you look at the national championship. They both have 11.7 scholarships. And, of course, we talk a lot of football here. And, and I'm going to go to the Southeastern Conference. A few years ago, was it Jacksonville State that went into Oxford, Mississippi and defeated Ole Miss 
on the opening weekend of college football. Yeah, Troy beat Troy beat Mississippi State in uh, in Starkville when uh, when when Mississippi State had a pretty good had a pretty good ball team. Um, uh, the Citadel went into Arkansas and beat Arkansas, shut Arkansas out when when my good friend Jack Crow was the head coach up there. Okay, um, Frank Boyle fired Jack Crow after that game. That, that's right. Yeah, and he and and uh, he and Coach Boyles are are still pretty close. I I I was with Jack day before yesterday. Uh, Jack, wait a minute. There's still there's, so so uh, uh, Arkansas loses to the Citadel, and Frank Boyle fires Jack Crow immediately after the game. But they're still they're still close. That's that's amazing. Yeah, they're still they're still friends. I mean, I don't. They probably don't have uh, chicken dinner together on Sunday afternoons. But uh, but yeah, they're still friends. They uh. You know, I mean, I mean, sports are sports. I mean, people understand how games are. You've got you've got coaches right now that are coaching at schools that previously fired them. I mean, that's just the nature of sports. You know that. I mean, you've got. I mean, every every great coach in the game's probably been fired once. I mean, that's you know, check your check your winningest coaches in Major League Baseball history and see how many managers uh, you know the greatest ones. See how many teams they got fired from. But I mean, that's just part. You know, that's just part of the game. Back to the uh, back to the upset though. When you take an FCS, I'm looking at the FCS level, 63 scholarships over the SEC with 85 in Jacksonville State. I kind of move that one up. I, anytime an FCS program or FCS program could defeat an FBS, I'm going to look more into it because a lot of times the FCS roster will be heavy with players who had transferred down. So I, I was kind of moving an FCS over an FBS football team a little, maybe a little higher on the list than it should be. Yeah, well, no, I think, I think it's always, I mean, you've got, uh, yeah, you've got teams, you've got, you got players that, that are playing for the Jacksonville States that transferred from other schools. You had, you had uh, a starting defensive lineman and a starting linebacker, I believe it was this year for Jacksonville State, that uh, came from Auburn and Alabama, respectively. Uh, if they're good enough to sign scholarships from Auburn and Alabama, they're, they're among the better players in college football. Uh, you got you know, Rock Thomas just transferred from Auburn. Uh, he'll be a starting running back for Jacksonville State this year. Um, but but overall, you know, their their team's not not made up totally of those guys. And and for the most part, yeah, you have some you have some guys that people miss on. Eli Jenkins, the quarterback at Jacksonville State, uh, he could be a starting quarterback on a number of teams in the Southeastern Conference and do extremely well. Uh, you miss some. You don't always get the, uh, you know, get those guys. Uh, we had a we had a situation this year, this this past week, where uh, a player commits to Western Kentucky uh, that I believe had been committed to LSU, and uh, and you know, the you, you have those situations happen. But uh, but for the most part, those schools are not going to be as as good. They're not going to have as as a deep a team, and they're not going to have as highly rated a team as as the teams above them. So anytime that they uh, pull off a win. It's a, you know, it's an upset. But but it certainly proves that you can't put a team out on the out on the playing surface, uh, regardless of what the sport is, and it's automatically assumed you're going to win because with the reduced scholarships that we've got today, uh, and the improved facilities that are at every school, uh, the players at every at every school and every sport are better athletes than they were when I was in college, and um, and and you don't have where uh, you know Alabama used to sign 40, 45 guys every year in football, knowing they weren't going to play them. But they coach Bryant could get them to play. If you get them to come to school there, and it would keep the opposition from getting out of them. And so, um, anyway, that's just you know those those days are over. And when uh, when you can't have but uh, you know but a maximum of eighty five scholarships, then uh, you can't have a hundred and whatever scholarships like you used to be able to have. And it, it does level the playing field. Yeah, you know, talk about that. Going to make a uh, transition into 
uh, would be uh, reluctant to not mention the passing of Pat Summit, and I'm not going to say the SEC lost a legend, but the entire world of women's basketball and college athletics in general lost a legend with the passing of Pat Summit this week. Well, not just college athletics. I mean, she won more basketball games than any coach uh, in history, men or women, pro or college, uh, past or present. I mean, uh, she, she's, you can make a case she's the greatest uh, basketball coach of all time. I mean, she takes over a program when she's 22 years old, for heaven's sakes, or 24. I mean, so she's, uh, she comes, she's basically just out of college herself, and she's, already the, and she's the head coach of a Division I program in a major conference. Um, and, she, and, and Nick, she had to quit when she's 59. I mean, you can see she's got eight national championships and 20-something SEC championships and, um, and almost 1,100 wins, and she was forced out by bad health when she's 59 years old. I mean, she could have coached another six or eight years, probably under normal circumstances. Imagine the records that she would have had if she had done that. Uh, I don't know when somebody's going to catch her now in some of these things. Uh, when, when will an SEC basketball coach get 20-something championships? Uh, coach Gino at Connecticut is the only guy uh, that's going to beat her in, in national championships and, um, and total wins. I mean, um, Lord, if she, if, she could have, if she had not had this health problem, she would have set records nobody would have ever touched. And, and she did it with class. And she, uh, you know, she was, she was meticulous. I, I didn't know her. Uh, I've been in a room when, when an interview was going on. I've never, I've never uh, been introduced to her personally. I never got to inter- interview her one-on-one. Um, but but I've, I've, I've covered and attended her games and, uh, in, in SEC tournaments and in regular season ball games. And she was well-organized. She was disciplined. She was fiery. Now, you'd see her, she'd lash out at a referee, and she would, you know, she'd get fiery. But she was not, she didn't lose her composure, and she, uh, and she uh, was pretty well even killed. And she had a, she had a uh, procedure that she went through, and she stuck with it, and she taught her players to do it. And she had extreme loyalty from her players. And, um, you know, that you, you put all that together with her temperament and, um, and that, that made for the successful program that, that Pat Summit had. And um, she will, uh, you know, she'll be, she'll be discussed in the same way in women's sports that Adolph Rupp and John Wooten are, dis- are discussed even today. Uh, how many years since Rupp and Wooten coached basketball? You know, 40, 50 years, I don't know how long it was, a long time. And you still, when you start talking to icons of college basketball, even today, that's the first two names you mentioned. And uh, yeah. Pat, Pat Summit will be the first name you mentioned in women's college basketball as long as they play the game. Yeah, and interesting, you brought up a couple of things that I had the opportunity to witness. And I'd say that at the time that I spent in college, as it was not, you know, as a manager for the Auburn men's basketball team, but it was not uncommon for after we would get through practicing, the visiting team would come in and do a, their shoot around. And uh, several occasions got to see the Lady Balls when they came into Beardy's Memorial Coliseum. And it was interesting because you watch different coaches how they come in and approach that shoot-around the night before. You know, you've traveled during that day, and so you've made the trip. And Auburn at the time, and still maybe a little bit easier to get to now, was, was a difficult place to get to, the size of the airport and how you traveled. But you watch coaches come in, and the different demeanor that they took when they came in just for the shoot-around the night before. But you mentioned the organizational skills. I got to witness it on the first-hand level. Tennessee Lady Balls came in. You talked about a procedure. They came in, and it started. And when they started, they went through everything. But it was uh, a smooth-running machine. But 
the approach to a shoot-around the night before, there was a reason that she was very successful, and it started with the way that it was organized and the way that everything was implemented, and it was a true work of art to see her just work a shoot-around the night before a game and then for me to make the comparison to other coaches that came in that had a laid-back approach and what they did, well, there was a reason she was very successful, and some of them were not. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly right, and that's the reason she was successful. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of reasons she was successful, but, but that's, you know, she operated everything. I assume she operated everything in her life that way, but she certainly operated everything throughout the year with her athletic program that way. And uh, the result was that she was the best in the business. Well, uh, so now that the uh, the NBA magazine, you got the uh, Cleveland edition, it's selling great. The national edition, the southeastern edition, uh, is it time for Lynn Scarbro to take a break? What's going on at Lindy's? Well, at uh, at Lindy's, we will uh, be putting our basketball editions to press in about uh, in about a month. Um, we uh, the first uh, two weeks of uh, August. We do our college basketball and pro basketball magazines. Both of those magazines will be printed, and we will have office samples of them at our office in Birmingham before the first college football game is played. Uh, the basketball magazines will hit newsstands the uh, latter part of September, but we'll have those finished before they start uh, start playing uh, the first college football game. So we'll uh, we'll be head uh, head into basketball this time this time next week. Uh, Nick, my uh, plane may have landed in the nation of Ukraine. Uh, we may just be flying over Ukraine uh, shortly before we uh, before we we would land. They're uh, eight hours ahead. This is for the people that have been listening to our, our program for a long time. Uh, we uh, uh, will be taking a mission team to the nation of Ukraine next week. Uh, been working over there since 1996, and it's uh, for people to keep up with the news. Uh, it's been some some uh, tumultuous times in in Ukraine with the Russian insurgents that have invaded. Uh, took over the Crimean Peninsula, which that's probably a permanent loss uh, for Ukraine uh, because of the way the, the world powers viewed that. Uh, and then uh, far eastern Ukraine and Donetsk and Lugansk uh, Oblast, the provinces there, uh, you got Russian insurgents that are still occupying part of that country. Uh, it is safe in the area that we go, but we'll be working with orphanages and, uh, and churches and doing some refugee relief over there, uh, or leaving next Friday uh, and uh, coming back the following Sunday, be gone nine or ten days. So. Uh, that's where I'll be next week, and uh, with a team of a dozen of us that will be over there doing that. And then uh, I will miss SEC Media Days for the third time in 20 years, so I'm sorry that I won't be there with you. Uh, and then uh, got about a week and a half to go, and we start editing basketball. So it was never a, never a slowdown time for us up here, Nick. Well, you know what, and the reason I stopped talking sports a little bit early because I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up and, and mention that, that uh, even when you do take a break, uh, devoting your time to others. Now, I want you to be more specific uh, about what you are doing because I know at times you've taken sports gear over to the Ukraine. So, they, what would a day like uh, for Lynn Scarborough be in the Ukraine? Well, this, this year, okay, this year what we're doing, um, part of our team will be in an orphanage camp um, in a community called Lubatine, and we'll be conducting uh, vacation Bible school and, and uh, athletic and craft camps. For orphan for orphan children at a, at an orphanage camp there, uh, the other portion of our team will be working at a church, uh, building an extension onto a building. Uh, this is a, a church that we've worked at uh, in in a community for a number of years, but uh, they have become a, more or less a refugee center for uh, Christian refugees that have been driven out by the uh, Russian insurgents and uh, and and have been displaced. 
and uh, we'll be we'll be assisting that uh, church and taking some funds over to help them. Uh, in past years, uh, we have uh, built a gymnasium uh, over there at uh, one of the largest orphanages in eastern Ukraine, and have conducted basketball clinics over there five or six times. In uh, in past years, we also uh, they they have a uh, football league there called the Ukrainian League of American Football, the ULAF. Uh, I don't know how active it's been in the last couple of years because of the turmoil there with the with the uh, Russian terrorists. But up until a time, uh, they had teams all over the country. We conducted a, a coaching clinic. I took uh, six coaches uh, over there a number of years ago and uh, got equipment over there. Started an American football team in the town of Lugansk and. Uh, and conducted a, a coaching clinic over there with some American football coaches. And uh, we, we have done that and, and provided them with some of that kind of stuff. We've done that in past years. Won't be, won't be doing that this time, though. Okay, well, the football team, was, it, was that mascot the Fighting Lindy's? It was the Panthers, the Lugansk Panthers. Uh, I don't know if there's a Panther in the whole country of, uh, of Ukraine, so I don't know how they came up with Panthers. They didn't ask me about that. But we shipped, uh, we shipped the equipment over there in February. Uh, I went over there that winter, and we went over and made a presentation to the to the team of their equipment and all, and uh, got with a uh, got with a, uh, a guy that was the the uh, the coach of that team. That coach uh, now uh, is a pastor of a church over there. So that's been about uh, ten years ago. So things have evolved in an interesting way. But uh, Mike Wallace, who was the head coach at uh, at uh, one of the conferences up in Ohio, a Division Three conference up in Ohio. Um, he he went over and was our was our head coach, and he told me there were some guys, uh, Ukrainian guys, that would have been good enough. He could have come in and let them play on his team in Division Three ball. He said he didn't think any of them could have played for Ohio State, but they could have played for some of those smaller schools in Ohio. So it's uh, it's been interesting to expose American uh, football. Of course, basketball is prominent everywhere, but uh, but it was is interesting to introduce American football to some people over there and uh, and have a coaching clinic over there for for American football. They consider football to be soccer. As, as do most places in the world, I guess. So you are the general manager. I'm just going to give you a title. You're the general manager of a Ukrainian football team. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I was the I was I was sort of the founder of an of an American football team in Lugansk. I don't I don't know if that team even exists now. That unfortunately is one of the cities that uh, that uh, Putin and his uh, insurgents have taken over, and they occupy uh, a portion of the area right now. So I don't I don't know whether the the freedom loving people uh, have access to that now, whether the powers that be in the world have allowed the bad guys to, you know, to have that area right now, so I'm not totally sure about that. Well, Liam, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and our thoughts and prayers are with you, and, and a safe return, and, and a great trip over to the Ukraine. We appreciate you. Thanks much, man. I'll miss you at SEC Media Days. Uh, if you can sneak an extra ballot in there, do I? You know, I always like to put my ballot in for the all-SEC team, and I don't get to do it this year, so... Uh, you know, if you can, uh, I don't want people else because too much of that goes on in, in the real American elections. But uh, I'll, I'll miss getting my ballot in for uh, for the All ACC team. All right, thanks. That's Lynn Scarborough. As promised, Lynn takes you to ten every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. Thanks for listening to the best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes on Stitcher or at RedPeachSports.com.